Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trigiani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. It's the holiday season, Marjorie. You know yes, that, of course. Yes, I was just listening to Mar- Mariah Carey this morning. All I want for Christmas is you. It is so wonderful. And you know <laughs> yeah. what? When we say that, we can kind of laugh about the title of that song, but I actually think it's really poignant for our topic today, which is yeah. grief. And when you're saying... All I want for Christmas is you. Mariah sings it so beautifully. She does. A lot of us feel that way, that especially this time of year, there is a person or people who are missing, who have left us, or maybe relationships that aren't what we want them to be. And I think feelings of grief can really be magnified at this time. time of year, and it can feel really overwhelming for people. Because I think we're confronted with the ideal. What should this look like? What should your table look like at Christmas time or during the holidays? And when you're you're sort of confronted with what the ideal is, you reevaluate where you are. And it also brings up, like you said, memories of who you would really like to be at the table again. You know, grief is something that we've had a lot of our best to the nesters asking us to talk about, Marjorie. I've gotten a lot of messages and comments when we talk about what conversations do you want us to have that you want to be part of? And grief is universal. Loss is universal. It is part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. And our guest today is someone who experienced grief at a level that as a parent and as a mother, it can be very hard to imagine how you can even pick up and do a day after you've gone through what our guest today has gone through. And she's so passionate about talking about grief and loss and how this is not a staged thing. You don't just go through it and get over it. It is part of who you are. And I know that you're going to love talking to her. So our guest today is Sarah Longacre. Sarah Longacre, interestingly enough, taught my birth class. Oh, yay! She's how I learned to give birth. It's just so <laughs> wonderful. And and she's a very good teacher. So and you did it well, And I did, I did it you twice. You did it very well. So I must have learned something. <laughs> so Sarah Longacre is the owner of Bluma, and Bluma is just this wonderful community. It's a prenatal, postnatal yoga studio that also focuses on birth classes. I took a breastfeeding class there that was, like, absolutely just so imperative to me as a mother. And what an amazing resource. Oh, I did not have that. It's wonderful. So she really wants women to feel empowered, educated, and supported during pregnancy, birth, and beyond. She's all about breath, movement, community support, and evidence-based education for the whole family. And uh, she is the mother of a little girl named Meta and an angel baby named Sophia Love. Mm. So Mm. Sarah knows a lot about the joys and the challenges of becoming a mama and being a mama and trying to find some balance. And I absolutely love Sarah. Sarah is a bright, shining light 
of joy who will just pop up when you least <laughs> expect it. Hi, Sarah. Oh, wow. wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Wow. All the topics I love to talk about, motherhood, breath, Grief. So we've got what five hours ahead of us. Yeah, we do. We do. I do. And the and the holidays because those aren't filled with layers, right? Right. There's so much happening, Sarah. So it's interesting when you talk to Sarah about your passion for helping mamas and being there during birth, and then I think the great irony and sadness that comes along with your loss of your beautiful Sophia Love and how you reconcile that. Can you tell us about your baby girl, Sophia Love, please? Because I know you love to talk about her. I do. Oh my gosh, Elizabeth, thank you. So yeah, my partner, my husband at the time, we were very, very surprised to get pregnant as easily as we did. And it was that great pregnancy that you're like, okay, let's do this. Let's dive in for number two. Technically, it's his fourth. I have two, I call them my bonus children. I don't love the word stepchildren. Bring <laughs> back to old Disney days. Yeah. <laughs> I like bonus, too. I like bonus, too. That's yeah. awesome. It was, it was just, it was the thing like, okay, this is going to be complete. Like, this is the story. I always knew I wanted to birth more than one. I had my older stepkids. It, it, everything was good to go. Uh, and... Sophia was due right before Thanksgiving. And I don't know about you guys, but I am a holiday freak. I love it, love it, love it. it. I, I, my birthday is December 15th, and I say the whole entire city puts up, you know, twinkle lights for me. There you go. There you go. That's that's my ego in there. So I just, this time to me was going to be huge. I told everybody, they said, when are you due? When are you due? Well, being a birth doula, owning Bluma, we don't have due dates. Because I really want people to open up their minds. We have guests. Mm-hmm. Because really hmm. that 40 week is a small percentage of people actually birth on it. We get a lot right. of pressure at 41 weeks. So I told everybody I am due, or I didn't say I was due. I said I would be feeding my baby at the Thanksgiving table with <laughs> oh. a, you know, with a bourbon in my hand and <laughs> And that was kind of when I said like, that's hopefully when she'll be here, right? Because she was technically due November 11th. Well, we we found out halfway through the pregnancy with my stepchildren and my daughter all in the room together, which that'll be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. We found out that her life was not viable. And I, I've never, ever, ever had time stand still. Time stood still in a way. I remember every inch of the room of my skin. I can tell you what everyone was wearing. I dropped in so deep to a place of faith and anger and tenderness and love and compassion for her, for my other children, for my own heart, for my marriage. And this now has become a very large chapter in my book because grief is not spoken about. I love talking about Sophia Love because she's my daughter. And now I get to have a spirit, however you want to look at it, uh, an angel, a soul that is with me and guiding me through so much of what I do. I've been in the birth world for almost, it's so embarrassing, 20 years, so two decades. <laughs> no, so, that's you know, joyous. It, it's amazing. And I really looked at, you guys, I looked at holidays. I looked at birth like, oh, just cherries and Hallmark, and this is beautiful and sparkling things. And this gift that Sophia Love gave me was to put me into a pause and realize how precious life is. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you, the biggest, biggest hurdle that has, has I've had to get over and I think many people around this time of year in Greece is talking about it's going to get easier with time. Yeah. Okay, am I allowed to swear on this? 
because I want to call BS. Right oh, yeah, now. you can. You, you can. can. Yeah, this is it a is safe bullshit. place. It is. I get, you guys, she, she would have been three this past November 11th. Oh. This was the hardest birthday that I've had so far. Yeah. I think because I think more and more about a personality that would have been knowing that who Santa was. Yeah. A personality of wanting to do things with her older sister, thinking about sledding, thinking about the dinner table, thinking it's just what you said. So where, where can we open up this conversation? I want to know. And I, I, I just have to throw this in there. My sister is actually an end-of-life doula. Wow. She's, she's a death doula. They're coming very, very much into the mainstream. And because of it's her, about time. we are yeah. talking so much about death at our home and grief. And that, you, Marjorie, you said it. Everybody experiences grief. Yep, yep. So why are we not experiencing and naming it? So what I love, and Elizabeth knows this, I just love for people to say her name yep, because yep. she is a piece of me. And many, many, many people do remember that. And, I, and it's really hard. So how can we start talking about this? And what are ways that we can celebrate life and also honor that? And so I just want to encourage people this year, no matter what a loss or a grief or a death has been in their family, what are you going to do? Well, what I, are you I, really going to do? I love that you just said that you love saying her name. Because I think for a lot of people who are watching somebody who's experienced loss, you think, when is it an okay time to say something about the child that they lost? And guess what? It's always. 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 Thank and, you. And, I, and so I just, I, I hope people hear that, that when somebody's experienced a loss, bringing it up a year later is not reminding them that it happened. Yeah, because guess what? They, they already know. They haven't forgotten. Right. That no. they're on a continuum of grief that goes on and on with each new stage. And I think that's so important that you said you're thinking about Sophia Love this Christmas because you're thinking about what would she have been doing with her sister. She's mm-hmm. with you, and people need to remember that because I think it feels good to know that you're not alone in that grief. Well, the biggest well, I... fear with grief is feeling like the person that you loved is forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. And I think what you said too, Marjorie, was really interesting that at this time of year, we do, we're like, yay, 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 happy holidays, it's great. And so we take sadness, anger, uh, depression, and we smoosh it down even further because we we need to fill it with all this other holiday cheer. When you smoosh it down further, do you know what happens? Seeps out. seeps out and it wants yeah. more attention and it hurts more. So yeah. what I've realized the past three years, the more that I can actually bring it up, the easier my coping is. Oh, yeah. Good. It's interesting, too, when we talk about what would have been. And I think about mm-hmm. this a lot in our own family. And I've mentioned this before that my husband lost his mom right before we started dating. So she died yeah. on Halloween and we had our first date like two weeks later. So... I've really walked this path of grief with him, and when he came into our family, he came to Christmas the first year that we'd been dating for six weeks, and he came to Christmas. And because his family traditions had been completely just flipped upside down, because his mom died quite unexpectedly, left him and his brother and his dad behind. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to generalize too much here, but I do think there's something really difficult about the lone female leader of the home being gone. You know, that's a big hole then moving forward. And so these guys were kind of trying to figure out what to do. Jay came to Christmas and my parents both lost one of their parents very young. 
My mom lost her dad when he was just 48. My dad Mm -hmm. lost his mom five days before I was born. So that feeling of grief and losing a parent young, a really beloved parent, was really a familiar thing in our family. And I remember telling my family, hey, this guy I'm dating is going to come over for Christmas (laughs) in the morning. And we're having breakfast sandwiches, and it's going to be great. And then he'll go on and go do the rest of his day, but he's coming over. And the first thing that my mom did when Jay came in the house was, tell me about your mom. Tell me about your mom. What's she like? And I know that Jay felt immediately at home in this home and he really felt like it was a divine intervention that he was brought to somebody who whose family understood what he was going through and so as we've sort of walked this path of grief and it's funny because I grieve for her loss and I never knew her. Isn't that a funny thing that I like but miss her because I have this idea of what would have been too. Every Absolutely. time like I have a child that's sick or we go on vacation or any holiday and I think Roz would have would have come over to help me. <laughs> well, you miss your children's grandmother. Yes, I do. And yeah. and so and why I bring this up is because I think What you're talking about, Sarah, is so important, which is it's not a stage to get over because every time something happens in your life that you wanted to experience with that person, the grief sets in. And that has happened for my husband. Every time we've had a baby, I know that there there are going to be some dark, hard days. When we got married, when we moved into our new house, house, when we bought our house that Jay was so proud of, all he wanted was for his mom to walk through the door. Well, he's just got to know that it's isn't... that hope. It's the yeah. hope that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think all the time. So you know, as I mentioned, my birthday's in in a couple a week or so here. I'm going to be 44. Mm, yep, I understand obstetricians <laughs> and people's clock is ticking. But there's still this piece of me that's like the hope of another child or the hope of someone filling raw space. And like yeah. that's not going to happen probably. But uh, there's a place of that, so you, there's a yearning. Right. So how do we uh, honor that yearning that is a human yearning, right? I mean, that is a – you lose a partner. You lose I, – I, honestly, you guys, I've had two losses this past six weeks. A dear, dear friend lost her 17-year-old son. Wow. Oh. Fent- to fentanyl. <clears throat> oh. Han- Hanukkah starts soon. It was a huge piece of their life. My minister, my beloved, beloved minister, who uh, retired last summer, and she was my uh, so close to my family, she unexpectedly lost her husband, literally heart attack. They were in Italy doing a retirement trip. No. Oh. Two people, two people that don't deserve, but no one deserves loss. And they're going into the holiday, mm-hmm, right? Like this, it's a low. It's 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 hard on a sunny, beautiful July day or whatnot. So, so I don't know the answer. My experience is is just I want to talk about the feelings and learn tools because their grief is very different than mine right now, right? Right. And so why why don't we have some more tools? Is it screaming? Is it moving your body? Is it you know? Uh, who who can help hold this space? And again, I think post um, death doula, end of life doula. But I hope and I pray that there's support groups for these people on Christmas morning. Grief was a big discussion in our house about ten years ago because my husband wrote a book called How to Pray When You're Pissed at God. It's a great title. Yeah. Such a good title. And part of it was it it was powerful to a lot of people because sometimes if if you're a person of faith and you're trying to deal with grief and why things happen to you why did why did your son die at seventeen 
Why did your beloved husband die when you were on a retirement, when you were on a retirement trip, the thing that they were probably saving and hoping for for a long time? How do you deal with that if you're a person of faith? And I think you're right that we lack the tools to be able to articulate what we're going through mm -hmm. because it's not a conversation that's comfortable for a lot of people. And well, I Can think you imagine at the Christmas table all of a sudden saying, hey, you guys, I'm really pissed right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I want to talk about my anger. Exactly. I'm really angry now. I wanted to buy a present for Sophia. I wanted to sit next yeah. to this person. And so the bigger question is like, so do we have the tools? But I also wonder, is the bigger question, how do we have tools for the people around us to just sit and look at you and say, thank you. We hear you. Instead of like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, well, yeah, sorry is one thing, but how do we hold space for that person? Yeah. And Ooh. just acknowledging the feelings and, and then allowing people to feel the feelings. We talked about that a lot in my house when we were just going through a round of grief in October, which was when Jay's mom died. And I, I did say to Jay, I said, you have to, you know, the only thing I can tell you is that you have to just feel the feelings. Right. And yeah. he was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I know, yeah. you're right. But that was the only, you know, I wasn't going to tell him, it's okay. She's in a not. better place. She's always with us. You know, I mean, and some of those things are true and important. But in that moment, he doesn't need to hear that because no. he doesn't need to hear she's in a better place. And because I and I always that does drive me crazy because I think, oh. you know what? I am a mother and I know that as a mother, a better place is not without my children yeah. that I want to yeah. be with yeah. my child. OK, so maybe, yes, there is some truth to moving on to a more peaceful place and however you look at heaven and however you look at where your soul is and all of that. And I'm sure it is a beautiful place, but I do think that it really is minimizing to the relationship that we have with people we love. If you it's, if you say, well, your mom is in a better place, which is essentially saying your mom loved you, but not more than she wants to go to do her yeah. own thing. You know, yeah. I mean, really? I think my friend Deborah, who lost her 17-year-old, again going into Hanukkah, and, and, and it was right before it was right before Halloween. She said to me, "I want people to check in, and I want people to ask me questions and go deeper." This is a very spiritual okay. woman, a woman of faith. So, I did something that she said, "This that's it, that's it, Sarah. That's what I need more of, and I want people to learn." I wrote her on Halloween, and I said, "What was your favorite?" Halloween costume that Gabe wore. Oh. oh. And she sent me pictures. She said, thank you. This is what I'm talking about. I want people to hold his spirit instead of saying, hey, thinking about you today, sorry for your loss. That's, that, that is great. But again, yeah. it's like, it's the she wants his spirit to be alive. And so my minister who, who lost her husband, he on Christmas, he always passes out chocolate coins to all the children at the congregation. And so, obviously, this year, who's going to do that? Well, now the children are going to pass it out. Aww. His service is in the middle of January. She wants the children to pass out the golden coins then. Like, yeah. how do we keep the vibration of their soul and, and what they did do and that spirit? And so that's why, you know, my daughter and I, we always buy a present for Sophia. This will be the third year that we buy a present and we give it to a child that would be three that's in need. Yeah. Sarah, that's those little that, things. That's beautiful. Those aren't little things. Those are really big things. And I think that what you did for your friend and asking about him and her favorite memory 
so many of us are afraid to do that, yes. which is counterintuitive because you think, oh, I don't want her. Again, it goes back to, I don't want to remind her. Well, she wants, she knows. <laughs> she knows all these things. It was her son. This reminds me of a conversation I had, and Elizabeth will probably chime with this. I started as a news producer when I was, I think, 22, and I worked in a very small market. And obviously in news, sad things happen all the time. All the time. And one of the hardest things, I was a producer, so I would have to send reporters to go cover stories. And one of the things you would tell the young reporters, because we were all in our early 20s, was you got to, you know, if there was a child that passed away, you've got to get, you know, go to the family and see if you can get a picture. And I went home one day and I was actually crying because I just hated the idea of asking a reporter to go up to a door and ask somebody who had just lost a child, can we get a picture? And my husband said to me, Marcia, you don't know that they don't want to give the picture, that they don't want the world to see what a beautiful child they had. Yeah. And I, but I just, it was so hard for me to reconcile, I think because it was for commercial purposes, <laughs> trying to get into their lives at that moment. But at the same time, as soon as he said that, because I know that's how he would have reacted. He would have wanted to be shouting from the rooftops, look at this child. So I just think we never quite know what a parent's going through in that moment, but we should have the courage, which clearly I didn't always have, to say, tell me about your son. Tell me about your daughter. Show them to me. Yes. 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 Keep doing that work. And that's the toughest part, you guys. It's going a layer deeper that it's, it's how we need to evolve. Yeah, yeah, it is. We need to we need to evolve and go deeper into it, or we're not going to do the work that we were put on this earth to do. I think we though, can't keep living that surfaceness. It gets difficult when you talk about grief and dealing with grief in different ways, and how that then impacts the rest of your life. I mean, because Sarah, you you know, you are a mother. You've got your bonus children. You were in a marriage at the time, and I wonder from you how this grief and how this loss impacted the rest of those relationships. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, oh. How many hours do you have? Yeah, yeah right. I was going to say that. Yeah. Well, number one, just it, it, it's, it's affected the relationship, I would say, of just me to, to humans in general. Yeah. Especially because I think it's very interesting when I – I'm not a huge social, social media, but I do post about Sophia, and I – feel this energy of like people rolling their eyes like come on get over it oh just but it's my own story yeah I don't think people are doing that though Sarah I mean I'm certainly not I see it and I get so happy yeah well I just keep wondering I'm like okay so am I gonna do this for 18 more years or whatnot I don't know I don't know it'll it'll come maybe you will yeah maybe you will my relationship has been so so she left us on June 25th and a year later, June 1st, I asked for a separation from my marriage. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's been huge. And now on Christmas, you guys will love this, he has the three kids this Christmas, and he'll be with his family Christmas Eve. And that will be hard for me because not only do I not have my daughter, I don't have my my angel. And so I'll be at a church with many families, and I'll be alone. And my sister is amazing, and her kids are amazing, but they're not mine. So I wake up Christmas morning, and I'm alone. Mm. And it's really hard, and yet 
I think there's a lot of people who would probably be jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write a book one day on all the positive reasons to get the You guys, I'm not even kidding. I already know what yoga class. There's like one yoga class in Minneapolis on Christmas morning, and I can't wait to go. So I'm going to do those things. But Christmas afternoon and Christmas evening, I'm with my husband. I'm with my birth daughter, Meta. And with my two bonus children, and I'm with their mom. Wow. We all do Christmas. On Christmas, Carrie invited us over. And these are the things, like, you guys, this is huge. Yeah. And I will tell you right now, I wouldn't be divorced if Sophia would have lived. Man. What? You know, that's, Sarah, that's hard. And you saying that, I think, is really important because that losing a child and the impact on a relationship. I mean, you know the statistics. You're, mm-hmm. The divorce rate is significantly higher if you've mm-hmm. lost a child because that process is so difficult. It's, it's, it's sadness upon sadness when you look at just losing Sophia and then the marriage sort of starts to break down. And you would think that's counterintuitive. You think somebody's going through something, a couple's going something through something so hard that that should bring them together. Why did it pull you apart? You know what? I wouldn't even say it pulled us apart. Okay. I would say it opened my eyes. Okay. We 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 do a very great job of parenting together. Right. Very very. We're very much on the same. I, I he is a phenomenal father. We were not, and we have been struggling with just being an entrepreneur. I work a lot. Right. Um, we needed different things from the relationship. And Sophia okay. opened my eyes to say, hey, Mom, life is way too short. Yeah. Life is way too short, Mama. I love you so much. And, I mean, I just I hear her voice. And she's like, it's, it's time. It's time for you to leave this, and it's time for you to do your own work. No, that's, that's really interesting. Guys, okay. I couldn't have done the self-deep work that I need to do on my own journey right. if, I was in this, if I was in this marriage. So I don't even, I, I, I don't think that it was like, yes, it was the pain of Sophia, but it was really looking at how precious life was. Right. She made me take a step back and go, is this how you want to live the rest of your life? You know, I think what, what almost, and tell me if this is wrong, because I'm trying to get my head around what I happened, but it's almost if, it's almost like you get cracked open. Yes. And then once you're open, it's like all this other stuff happens yeah, as well. Yeah, all the other stuff that you didn't realize was there. Was there. Huge, huge. I, yeah. I think it just made me pause and say, what do I want to do? How do I? And, and to be honest with you guys, I we we lost her in June. We started trying to get pregnant that January. Yeah. So I was like, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's fill right. this hole. Let's fill this hole. Mm-hmm. And because we had gotten pregnant so easily twice before, and by, within four or five months I wasn't pregnant, I think that was a blessing. Yeah, you know, yeah, it probably someone was. Someone really said, "Hey, hold your horses, you guys. This is not a healthy marriage," and it wasn't. There was just so much fighting. It was real. It was ridiculous. And right. now we don't do it because we're in two separate houses. We live four blocks away. Oh. I will say one of the hardest pieces, probably, and he knows this. Meta and I talk about Sophia Love a lot. Yeah. Uh, she, her, half of her ashes are in the lake close to our house. Half of the ashes are at my home. Uh, Meta brings her up quite frequently. And she says, you know, we don't talk about her at dad's house. I don't expect people to just know how to do this, but I want to talk openly. If you know someone out there who has had a loss recently or not even recently, years ago, could you this 
Christmas, this holiday season, this Hanukkah, this New Year, could you just send them a tiny little note, even a text that says, you know what? I bet this is a hard time of year. I'm going to send you an extra little love. Anything, just to acknowledge that person. What are the um, things that you're doing, Sarah, to really kind of keep her alive? And and this is, this is going to sound sort of silly, but what I think about is the movie Coco, because I watch this with my kids, and the movie uh, about yeah. Dia de los Muertes, and yeah. that idea of when we talk about in our culture just shoving grief down and just trying to move past these stages, and then you look at other cultures, like the beautiful Mexican culture, where you have a bluma in Mexico City, where no. that idea of, of just honoring and serving the souls that have left us is so embedded into the fabric of the culture and what a beautiful thing that is. What are you doing in your home to keep her alive? Well, not only in my home, so we always have a stocking and we always have her her urn and her name. I have quite a few pieces of artwork on the lake that she, you know, is in and whatnot. But the biggest platform, honestly, and I feel blessed that I get to do this, Elizabeth, but the biggest platform is Luma. Every single prenatal yoga class at one of the Blumas in the Twin Cities or, or Nashville, Tennessee, or Mexico City, you go around in the beginning, and this is not what you normally do at a yoga class, right? You go in to go inward. But what we do is we build community. You go around, you say your name, you say your guest date, and then you, you typically, depending on the teacher, and, you know, there's a question. And, and a lot of times we talk about what number baby is this for you, who you are. I, as the teacher... I stand in front of 30 moms and I say who I am, why I'm a doula, why I'm a prenatal yoga teacher, and then I say I have a six-year-old, you know, Meta, and I have my angel baby, Sophia Love. She would have been three. Yeah. You guys, (laughs) when you have a room full of new moms who've never been to Blue Mom, who are newly pregnant, they want to get up and they want to walk out the door. Yeah. Because you just said out loud that your pregnancy might not go through the way you think it will. Think it their will. worst fear. You just you articulated their worst fear and they're looking at you and you yeah. lived and are living their worst yeah. fear. A hundred percent. And sometimes I say, you know, I lost her at twenty two weeks. I Oh wow. You know, I say that and they're like, um, yeah, lady, I'm twenty two weeks today, thank you. And that is that is how I constantly bring her spirit and I know it's uncomfortable for people, but I can't not name her. No, I think that's really good. I think that if it's good for you, I actually think it's good for those moms, too, though. Yeah, I think so, too. Because I I will tell you, Elizabeth and I have talked about this before. We both miscarried, and it was in the miscarriage that I realized, oh, my gosh, I really, really want to be a mom. I shouldn't have taken this for granted. This is a gift. And so I think that idea that I know it's probably hard for those moms sitting there, but I cannot think that that's, I think that's a good thing. I really do. And there's enough moms in the room who have had several miscarriages and they appreciate that Bluma is such a real place. So they don't come in and go, you have to love being a mom today. You have to love being pregnant. Oh, you have to love giving birth. Like, no, (laughs) no, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) And so with that, it's like, Part of birth is loss, and this is, yeah. this is the grief that we started this conversation with this morning with the three of us is what is grief, how do we honor it, and how does this culture take a pause and then go a little bit deeper so that we can heal and we can talk and we can make this a common conversation, and this is my blessing that I have to my sister and all of the end-of-life doulas who are really honoring that bringing a child and a person into this earth is just as important as how they leave this earth. 
that. Yeah, amen to that. Beautiful. Sarah, you are a joy. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for talking about your beautiful Sophia Love and your little wild-eyed meta. I love that, girl. Thank you very much. Thank you. I think I will just say this is the first time in public that I'm that I just like literally hashed out my whole marriage and, and oh. all the layers. So um, we'll have to come back and revisit some of that. But let me just tell you, um, life, life is incredible gifts and the hardest, hardest mountains that we have to climb. And when this has been a very big year of depression for me. When we can climb that mountain, I know it is only going to make us better people. I do, too. Sarah, we love you. Thank you so much. Sarah. We appreciate you. Keep sharing the great work. Oh, we will. You, you too. too. Thanks, Sarah. Okay, there we go. Sarah Longacre, you guys. I mean, she's real deal. And if you take a birthing class from her, she will fully act out birthing. And it will be simultaneously shocking and yet very important preparation. <laughs> I love this. I love, I love too, that she was talking about she's a doula and that her sister's a death doula. Oh, my gosh. We need to talk to her sister. That's exactly what I was thinking. We're yes. going to ask Sarah for her sister's contact info. Yes. Because what an incredible thing. And um, But this grief conversation is one that, we, I think, need to be having regularly on Best to the Nest, and yes. all of us as a culture need to be having regularly because the only certainty in life is death. I mean, yes. that is the truth. And loss. And loss. And when we are shoving it down and not talking about it and not acknowledging it and not helping each other through it, I actually think that we are missing out on some incredible experiences in life. Because as Sarah was saying, she learned to love life and to live her life because of the loss of her child. And so if we looked at loss like that, imagine how more kind of like in living color our lives could be. Well, and you have to to be able to look at it that way. I think you need a deep sense of connection with the people around you to give you the strength to look at it that way. Yeah. And so I, I think that in talking to her, sort of my takeaway is how... What can we do to the people around us that are experiencing loss? Because I think so many of us live very tentatively about that because we're not sure what to do. And any time that we can take a relationship to the next level and make somebody feel just a little bit more loved and seen and heard, that only enriches our life too. But it's hard to do. And I think she, at least for me, she she gave me some language and some ideas of how to do that better. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And if you have a moment, give us a little review at Apple Podcasts. And please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at Best of the Nest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. <gasps> please. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. 
And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.